Welcome to the W. The Timberwolves get the W tonight against Ricky Rubio's Jazz 109-98. to Very special guest tonight. You may know him from ESPN 1500 AM here in the Twin Cities and statewide. I'm sure your voice gets out there. Manny Hill. What's up, man? What's going on? It's been a while since we've talked. It has. I think... Um, I'm trying to think of the last time we like really like talked and hung out and cause I mean, we, we used to work together in Hastings obviously. And then, yeah, we did. and then, uh, we went to, was it just the one Lynx finals game we went to? <laughs> we, we did I do think. that. Yes. Yeah. Ma- many was, championships ago. Yeah. Yeah. Many <laughs> championships ago. I think it was. I think it was the year they lost to Indiana, right? I think that was 2012, if I'm not mistaken. You got, you got me beaten on the memory yeah. side of things. <laughs> um, did you go yeah. this year to the championship? I did not. No, I, I was there was. For, for Game you. 7. I good, got that ring. Good for you. Or Game 5, you mean, because there was no Game 7. Only well, game. sure. I but guess. it was it was basically a game seven, yeah. No, yeah, it it felt like a game seven. Let me tell you that. <laughs> no, um, yeah, no, it was it was great. I'm, it's awesome that you got to be there. But um, yeah, I, I mean, so yeah, this is probably the first time we've talked in like a while. I mean, we've exchanged texts and interacted on Twitter here and there, but um, yeah, this is the first time we've like actually sat down and had a conversation like <laughs> about the wolves. Cause I know when we worked together, we used to talk about the wolves quite a bit. Those were some, those are, some, those are quite the Debbie Downer conversations at that time though. Cause that was and the it, Kurt Rambis era, but yeah, really any time in the past decade plus has been a dark time. <laughs> so right. I, I don't want to say those were dark times because it's been kind of a dark franchise. Yeah. So yeah. there were very few times when they weren't dark times, but, <laughs> Today is not one of those days. Wolves get the win. Uh, let's just quick go over the game a little bit. So the Wolves get off to that hot start in the first yeah. quarter. Um, they really took control of the game early. And after the game in Phoenix, which is, you know, up there with probably the most disappointing games of the season, you could easily say it was the most disappointing game of the season. Yeah. Wolves uh, start out right out of the gate, 13-3. to um, Early on, Carl gets his 2,000th rebound. Cool, I guess. Nothing to stop the game about, but nice little stat. And uh, he got involved early and was scoring early, and uh, just everything was working. Offense, defense, Wolves came out aggressive, and that was something we have not necessarily seen this season. Yeah, it, it really, it's it's been so hit and miss. And, you know, I think when you when you have a situation like this, when you have a lot of, you have a lot of new parts, I mean, this if you look up and down this roster, basically half the players are new. I mean, when you're looking at obviously Jimmy Butler and Taj and, uh, you know, you throw in a Jamal Crawford into the mix as well. Um, I mean, belly belly in some ways is kind of a new player because he missed basically the second half of last year. Mm-hmm. Um, shortly after Zach Levine went down with his ACL, um, you know, Jeff Teague is obviously a new player as well too. So, you have all these new moving parts and these guys are still even now tonight was the 13th game of the season. These guys are still learning each other right now and getting used to playing with each other. And you know, what happened in Phoenix the other night was 
bad and it was a bad loss against a bad team. But the thing of it is, I think a lot of fans have to remember is that these things happen. These, these teams play 82 of these games a year and the best team is not always going to win every single game because if that was the case, the golden state warriors would be 82 and 0. So I think sometimes when you, when you have a game like that, I think you, you acknowledge, okay, it was terrible. It was bad. They played poorly. They melted down the last four minutes of that game, but you just have to throw it behind you and you have to move forward and focus on the next game because quite frankly, the players, that's what they have to do to move on. And they were able to do that tonight and they got out to a good start. Um, town sort of just took things over right away, established himself. I thought Jeff Teague played really, really well tonight. Um, I mean, it was, it was, it was a good win against, you know, a Utah team that has been struggling lately and they don't have Rudy Gobert. So you can kind of look at that and be like, Hey, you know, maybe put a little bit of an asterisk on the win, but after two straight losses and a, and a disappointing loss in Phoenix, I think you take a win any way you can get it, and uh, and they got it tonight. Yep, and uh, you mentioned that Rudy, Rudy Gobert was out tonight, and so it was good to see them. They established Carl early, yeah, uh, da- down low. One of the, I think maybe even the first possession they got him a post feed, and he was able to put it in. And tonight, when he was within five feet of the hoop, he'd be double teamed, and somehow he had some crazy shots, and he just finds a way to make them. And I wish they'd go to that a little bit more. I think Carl's been bullied a little bit the last couple of games. He's played some guys that have gotten into his head. Um, You know, guys like Draymond Green and Tyson Chandler, who I think Carl, you know, he's got all the potential in the world, but he's still, what, 21? Has he even turned 22 yet? I think he's 21 still, yeah. So these veterans, you know, that have been around the league, they kind of get into his head a little bit. So I think it was good to get him a game where he didn't have to go up against Gobert because he's just been, you know, struggling the last couple games inside. So it was good to see him be able to get down low and make a couple shots. And then he also was able to stretch it out a little bit better tonight than he has as he was four for six from three. I think last game he was maybe one for five. And he's been struggling. And tonight he finally kind of got some to go down. So that was a good sign for Carl. It was. And and I think for the team in general, you just – Look at the way they were able to shoot the ball tonight. They shot the ball really well. And Utah, you know, maybe up until the fourth quarter, they started, you know, Jarebko and Hood started knocking down a few threes. But really for three quarters, Utah really struggled from the perimeter. And I think that that's what helped the Wolves kind of get out to that lead too. And the Wolves in turn, you know, they were making three-point shots of their own. I mean, Jeff Teague shot the ball well. Towns, as you mentioned, shot the ball really well. Um, I think Taj even made one. Um, in the game as well, and, and, and Belly came in and made one. You know, Wolves were 10 for 20 from three-point range, so that's not a lot of shots taken from three-point range, but if you're making half of them, that's a good clip. So um, that was big for them, and, and they needed that because they, the last two games, Golden State and in Phoenix, they really struggled shooting a three, and that was, I think that was the big concern going into the season was, was going to be the three-point shooting because... You, there, there weren't really very many guys on the roster that had um, good perimeter shooting numbers in the past. You know, Jeff Teague is a better three-point shooter than Ricky Rubio, but it's not hard to be a better three-point shooter than Ricky <laughs> Rubio. Yeah, um, we'll, we'll get to Ricky in a minute. Yeah, but, um, you know, yeah, the, the shots were falling for him tonight. 
Um, it, it started to get a little sketchy there in the fourth quarter. Utah went on a little bit of a run. Um, Donovan Mitchell, I, I like Donovan Mitchell a lot. I think he's going to oh, be a really nice. nice player for them. Yeah, he's going to be a nice player for them for a while. He's got a lot of potential. So Utah made a run, you know, close it down to, I think, um, I don't know if they ever got it back down to single digits. I think 11 was the closest that they got. Um, 11 they 10, up, yeah. Yeah, so um, the Wolves were able to hold that off, and, and I think sometimes when you get off to a big lead, you're able to, you know, it's it's easy to sort of relax a little bit and take the foot off the gas. Um, but I guess the Wolves could afford to do that tonight just because, you know, the lead that they had was so big. Uh, but you do, that is something that you're going to have to keep an eye on um, going forward is that, you know, and Tibbs even said it after the game, it's, you got to, you played well in the first quarter, played well for three quarters mainly, but you got to, you got to maintain that for 48 minutes. And I think that's something that, that this group is still going to have to learn. Yeah, late in the game, uh, looked like Tibbs was almost, you know, a quarter of the way onto the court in one of those <laughs> possessions. He was out there. He wasn't even coaching from the sideline. He was almost moving guys into position. But There, there was one part where Wiggins got, the, the Wolves turned it over. Yeah. And and Mitchell took off, Mitchell got a steal. I think he, he poked it away from Teague. Ran down the other end of the floor. Wiggins chased him, poked the ball away from him, got got the ball back, and Wiggins started to sort of casually dribble the ball up the floor. and And Mitchell came right back and stole the ball from him. And Tibbs was fuming. I mean, he it lost was, it. He, his head nearly exploded. Um, but that's that's kind of one of those things with Wiggins too, where he's gotta he's gotta maintain that that focus. And I think sometimes he, he has the tendency to just I don't know what it is. He just has a tendency to drift. And, you know, that's something that as we go through the course of the year, he's really going to have to to clean that up. Yeah, that was quite the moment. Tibbs, I think shortly after they called a timeout and you could see the players walking off. Tibbs was sitting in his chair facing the direction that they were eventually going to be sitting. So they were walking <laughs> towards the bench as Tibbs was already in his chair. And you could, they, all they could see was the back of his head. So... Uh, Tibbs, never, never a moment to relax, ever for that guy. But uh, Wolves, you said, uh, shot 50% from three, 10 for 20. And we talked about it on the last podcast against the Suns. I think Wolves were four of 20 and just yeah. how difficult it's going to be for them to get threes this season because they don't really have anyone who that is their specialty. So Carl, four for six, that's nice. Teague, four for seven. You're going to need those guys to be your leaders because Wiggins, he's improved his three-point shot, but really from where he started, he's only improved to kind of an average three-point shooter. Mm -hmm. um, Butler is still average. Bielitsa, he seems to be trending up, but he only plays 10 to you know 12 minutes a game. And Crawford, you just can't know on any given night whether his shot's going to drop or not. Yeah, yeah, Jamal's definitely a hit and miss. I think we saw on that in the home opener against Utah, um, Jamal hit some big shots in the fourth quarter for them. He had 17 points in the fourth quarter of that game, if I, if I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. um, and you see games like you see him have games like that, and you're like, okay, yeah, that's why they signed him. That's why they brought him in because they needed a guy who could come off the bench who could get buckets for him and, and knock down some shots. But he is a guy that if he's not if he's not making his shots, there there's really not much else he can do for you which you know at this stage of his career 37 years old I mean that's that's kind of understandable you're not going to get a lot from him 
defensively. He can be a bit of a playmaker for you. He can, you know, he's he's played in the league long enough to where he understands, you know, certain certain passes that need to be made and certain places to be on the floor and that sort of thing. Um, but if his shot's not falling, it, it is kind of a it is it is tough to watch when his shot isn't falling. Yeah. But um, I will say this too about you know just the team as a whole as, as you know just as a shooting team is i think that the i think we're going to go through this year and and the shooting is really just going to be kind of hit and miss i don't think it's going to be bad every single like what we saw in phoenix and what we saw in golden state is not going to be every single night but also i think what we saw tonight isn't going to be every single night either um they're not going to be the worst three-point shooting team in the league every night, but they're also not going to be, you know, the, the the Houston Rockets or the Golden State Warriors when they shoot threes either. They're going to be somewhere in the middle, and I think that's primarily because you have you don't really have any terrible three-point shooters, but you also don't have any great three-point shooters on your roster either. Everybody is kind of, you look at the numbers, Towns, average, Wiggins, average, Jimmy's Jimmy's numbers are down in terms of three point shooting this year, but overall he's an average three point shooter. Jeff Teague, average three point shooter. Um, I'll give you one. Cole Aldridge. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, Cole Cole's pretty bad. <laughs> and Cole's Baz bad. Shabazz, yeah. soon, is, soon to be amazing? the artist known as Baz. Isn't it amazing? Shabazz still has not hit a three point shot. Did he? He didn't hit one tonight, did he? I don't no, think so. he didn't even yeah. take one. He, he he has not hit a three point shot yet. That is, I mean, that is mind-boggling to me. I I feel bad for the guy. I mean, he turned down, I believe, what was going to be ten million a year last yeah. off season. How many people in their lives get to make a decision that is it's in their lap and they decide against it? And he's going to lose thirty million. He might not be in the league, you know, yeah. next year. So that he got league minimum this year and essentially. Turned down, I think it was ten for four years. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of money for him to be losing with yeah. that decision. Yeah, I mean he's um, and and he's he has had his struggles this year. That's for sure. I mean that's you know you you go through the off season, the Wolves renounce your rights, and you know you think you're gonna get paid, and then it looks like you're gonna get paid, and then you come back you come back to the Wolves for the league minimum. I mean it's. Uh, and now you're struggling. <laughs> yeah, you know. So it's, if it's you fall out of that, if you fall out of the Tibbs rotation, good luck trying to get back in because you're not going to be able to play your way back in because he doesn't give minutes to any of the bench guys. Yeah, well, see, and that's that's the other thing too that I wanted to touch on. I mean, you mentioned Bielitsa earlier. I mean, Belly played 13 minutes tonight, and he got you five points, four rebounds, one of two from three, two of four shooting overall. You know, when Belly has been out there, he's he's played really well. And, you know, I'll admit going into the year, I was not expecting a lot from Belly just because it had been his first couple of years of the league. It had been kind of a struggle. He, he was struggling to find himself. He was struggling to find his niche and his role um, with his team. And then on top of that, he had all the injuries, too. Um but now it seems like this year he's healthy and he's when when he's been out there he's been a plus player he's done very well he's shot the ball well he can put the ball on the floor and drive to the rim he can make plays for other people he's a good help defender 
he does all he, I mean, he's not a great player by any means, but he can do a little bit of everything for you. And I'm just I'm amazed that Tom Thibodeau has not tried to get him somewhere between 20 and 25 minutes a night. I mean, you just look at the box scores and it's 14 minutes, 12 minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, tonight, I think it was what, 13 minutes, 13. And this is with Jang out. Yeah, this is with Gorgie Jang out, not playing at all with the sprained finger. So I don't know. I just um, I, I, I don't. That's one thing. If I were sitting down with Tom Thibodeau right now, I would want to ask him why you can't find more minutes for Bielitsa. You know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's especially when Towns plays 41 minutes tonight. Taj Gibson plays 39. I mean, those guys were good for you. Taj, Taj overall has been really good for you since the start of the year. And Towns is Towns. But man, if if you know if Belly is a plus player for you and he's he's giving you a little bit of everything, it just seems to me you got to find a way to to get him more minutes, especially when one of your rotation players in Gorgie Jang is not playing. Yeah, and if you remember the stretch that the Wolves played very well last year, it was kind of right towards the middle of the season when Bielitsa started. Bielitsa, I keep calling him Bielitsa. I think that's a hockey player. Uh, Bielitsa <laughs> was getting a lot more run with yeah. the starters, and he was just getting you know up in that 20, 25 minutes a game, and that's when the Wolves went on the run, and suddenly their defense looked good, and their offense was clicking, and everything was working, and then right when he got hurt, that's when the team fell apart again. And it, you mentioned it. He's a good help defender. There's something to yes. be said about someone who is just in the right spots. They may not be a superior athlete. They may not be able to jump out of the gym, but just being in the right spots and being able to anticipate where the, the ball is going to go, you know, mm-hmm. two passes ahead so you're in the right spot. He's really good at that, and he's a good rebounder. He boxes out. He does all those little things right. He's like the quintessential spur. Yeah, he's 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 a really smart player, Paul. That that's what it is. He's just a really smart player. I think he has a really high basketball IQ. I mean, obviously I think he just, you know, athletically he has he just has some limitations where there's just some things that he's just not physically capable of doing of doing, but I mean, and and it's funny because, you know, people look at him and they say, "Well, put Belly more, on, you know, put Belly on the floor more, put him, you know, Put him out there more because they need a they need a stretch four. They need a, a guy who can space the floor a little bit. You know, I look at Belly. I don't. I think sometimes we 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 fall into that, fall into that trap of, you know, let tall European guy. So he must be stretch four. I don't think I don't think Belly is a stretch four at all. I think he's more of of a point forward. I mean, he can put the mm-hmm. ball on the floor. He can handle it a little bit. He's a very good passer. Yep. Um, he can get into the lane when he puts the ball on the floor, he can get into a lane and finish. I mean, he can yep. finish at the rim pretty well and he can occasionally step outside and hit a three point shot for you as well. And he's obviously gotten off to a hot start shooting the ball this year. Mm-hmm. So I, I think when you have a guy like that, that can do a little bit of everything for you, you got to find some minutes for him. So I, I, I don't, um, I just I just don't understand why he's not uh, why he's not playing more. I, I would love to see him play more. Like there was a point in the game tonight, there were a couple points in the game tonight where uh, Bielitsa and Taj were basically the four and the five on the floor, and it and it went really well for the Wolves. It went really really well, and so I think when you're shorthanded with your bigs, when 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 Gorgie's not available, 
you got to, I think if you're tips, you got to find ways to, to have some combinations like that. Um, and, and it'll work out for you. Yeah. I, I actually put a star by this lineup that they came out with. I think it was, uh, when they put their first subs in late in the first, it was Tyus, Jamal, Wiggins, Bielitsa, and Taj. And that lineup, yeah. I just loved how it looked. I mean, Tyus is kind of like belly in that he's not like a physical freak, but he tends to get to the right spots on rotations. He makes things tough um, on defense one-on-one. Not a great defender, but he just gets into the right spots. Taj is always going to be like that. And Bielitsa and Wiggins has, you know, really been effective, you know, this season as the third, you know, kind of the third best player on the team is what his role is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And I think he's been playing that role perfectly, where Butler and Wiggins – they're supposed to be kind of our one-two, whether whoever is one or two, it doesn't really matter. Those two, or Butler and, um, sorry, Butler and Cat are supposed to be our one-two. Yeah. Those guys have not been that consistent, but Wiggins as that third best player on a good team, if that's the level that you're trying to get him to play at, I think he's exceeding that level at this point. Yeah, he is, and and I think with the type of player that Andrew is. And I think with the type of personality that he has, I think this role is, is probably at least for right now is probably the best role that's suited for him. You know, Andrew, Andrew has his flaws. I mean, he's, I think, you know, he has a tendency to sort of drift a little bit. And um, I think when he, when he gets the ball in his hands, you know, sometimes the shot selection isn't always the, the greatest, um, but when he puts the ball on the floor and drives to the rim, he's an excellent finisher. He's, his ball handling has improved. I just think sometimes the 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 decision making, the 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 settling for jumpers, the settling for the long twos, and um, you know, and and you know, maybe the inconsistent three point shooting has has been sort of his downfall. But you know, there there are times where he he will make a play, and you're like, okay, this kid's figuring it out, and he's getting yeah. it. And then there's other times where he just has the tendency to drift just a little bit, and you see it on the defensive end, especially. Um, so I think just for Wiggins, I think we just want to see him just put it together more consistently because he has all the physical tools to be a really, really, really good player in this league for a long time, and you just want to see him be a little bit more consistent with just his focus. And and I think hopefully as he continues to play with Jimmy Butler, Jimmy Butler will continue to sort of push him and and, and keep him focused and keep him engaged um, for 48 minutes. Yep, and I I think he's making strides on the defensive end. Again, he's yeah. come you look at the baseline of where he was last year and the year before. So, you know, kind of at least getting back to average and at times being above average. I mean, tonight, scoring really wasn't the load he took on. He was 4 of 10, had 11 points, but he also had four boards, four assists, mm-hmm. two steals, two blocks, and he just got in passing lanes and disrupted things, got that steal at the end. Of course, he had it stolen right back, but still, he <laughs> seems to be making more of those little plays where instead of a possession where the other team is getting you know, two, three chances, he's getting a deflection, you know, off of a rebound, just doing little things that he sometimes would just stand and watch in the past, yeah. being less of a spectator um, just in those hustle plays. And 
I think in a game like tonight where, yeah, he only had 11 points, but he led the team plus 25. So you can just see that when he's on the court, some good things are happening. So uh, I'm way over, speaking of, you said Wiggins has a tendency to drift sometimes. So do we here (laughs) on this podcast, as we're probably well over 20 minutes now. So we're going to bring it back in here. Um, MVP of the game, I guess I'll quick rattle off mine. I think you go with Carl tonight. It's four of six from three, 24 points, 13 boards, had a block. A few altered shots as well. And for the most part, he stayed in position on defense. He wasn't going after those blocks when the guy has already, you know, reached the apex of his jump, leaving his guy wide open for a dunk. So, uh, again, help that Rudy Gobert wasn't there to kind of clean up some of those offensive boards. But um, for the most part, he stayed in position, got back on D, didn't complain about shots. He just looked focused and... Like the rest of the team, we were just focused and aggressive, and I think he was kind of, um, you know, I'll, I'll give him MVP over Butler um, just because he hit those threes, which just the spacing is what we need. So I could also hear the argument for Butler, but I'd like to hear your MVP of the game. Yeah, I would give it, I would throw it to Cat as well. Um, I think Butler and Teague both kind of show. I think they both kind of get an, an honorable mention in this in this particular case. Mm-hmm. Um, but Cat Cat did everything that you needed that you needed out of him tonight. And you mentioned Rudy Gobert being out. I think when you have a, a circumstance like that, it's it's up to the guy that is matched up with Rudy Gobert to really um, take advantage of Gobert being out. And you know that was Cat and Cat. So they needed Cat to take advantage of Gobert being out, and he did so. Uh, MVP definitely goes to Cat, but uh, but Teague and Butler were really good too, and and uh, I think this is these are the type of games that this team going forward is you know going to be challenged to win and on going on the road against a tough team, and and uh, they needed their guys to deliver, and they did tonight. Big rebound game, big rebound game. They yes. did that one because this was a game you look at coming off that Phoenix game. They could have easily flopped in this one looking ahead to San Antonio but um came out strong aggressive and again focused for the most part and then they kind of let up on that focus and you can see what happens towards the end of the game uh when they start to lose that focus and that edge the other team kind of comes creeping back in uh, a couple little things just noticing during the game Joe Ingles with zero points <laughs> he was over six over four from three Ricky, as we <clears throat> kind of alluded to, had a really bad game. He was 1 for 7, 0 for 6 from threes. Boo Birds were starting to come out in um, Utah there. Only had two assists to three turnovers, no steals. So, I mean, if you're a Ricky hater, this is the game that you're going to cut out of the newspaper and stick on your refrigerator because this was not a good-looking box score if you're going Teague versus Rubio. It really wasn't, and I, you know, I wonder if, you know, and, and and maybe it's easy to kind of say because you know the Jazz didn't really shoot the ball particularly well tonight, but I, I just, I just wonder if Utah is really the right fit for Ricky. You know, I, you know, Ricky is a guy that I think really needs the basketball in his hands a lot. Mm-hmm. And because, you know, he needs to be the primary ball handler and the primary playmaker. Um, and Utah, they, you know, they they run a different a little bit of a different system than that. I mean, especially now with Gordon Hayward being being gone and um, 
you know, the, it's more of a sharing, you know, everybody, everybody is a playmaker for everybody type of offense. I mean, you're going to see Donovan Mitchell handle the ball and try and make plays. Joe Ingles is a guy who is going to try and make plays for you. You know, Jarebko, uh, you know, Cephalosha, when he comes in off the bench, you know, NATO, when he comes in off the bench, I mean, there's, they've got a lot of different guys that are going to try and make plays for, for everybody. And Ricky is a guy that, you know, you sort of run your offense through him and you try and surround him with a lot of shooters and you just let him run pick and roll and he can drive and kick it out to guys and, and that sort of thing. But that's not really what Utah does. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if, you know, Ricky started out this year having some really nice games where you look and you say, oh, Ricky had 20 points and five assists and he shot seven for 12. That was a nice night. But then, you know, he had the 30 point game about two weeks ago and he's been he's really been terrible ever since. So mm-hmm. um, I just wonder if long term, if this is really going to be a good fit for him in Utah going forward. Yeah, I love Ricky. I just wish I know, he would just get success. I mean, he yeah, he's third favorite Timberwolf, you know, probably second favorite behind KG. Just he it just he has these games like this where once he starts missing shots, you can just see his confidence and his face yeah. changes ironically and he you know just isn't the same player when he isn't being effective or when he feels he's not being effective. And tonight was just one of those games, and I just, you know, wish he could get a consistent shot because if he could just be league average, he could be such a dynamic player. And, and, you know, if you look at the way the year started for him and even dating back to how he finished last year with the Wolves, you saw that and you're like, okay, yeah, he's, he's shooting better and he's at least a respectable shooter. But the problem is, is that he's never been able to consistently go over the course of an 82 game season with that sort of consistent shooting. It, it, there's always sort of these, you know, 10, 11 game stretches where he just can't hit a shot to save his life. And, um, you know, I, I just I don't I don't know if, if Utah is really the right place for him to really to, to maximize what he is as a player. I think he needs to be in a in a situation with a team that runs a lot of pick and rolls with him just sort of being the center, the center point of, of the ball handling and the playmaking, you know, a team like San Antonio might be, you know, a, a good place for him. I don't know if the if the Spurs would be able to even trade for him right now. Mm-hmm. They got Patty Mills and Tony Parker coming off an injury here pretty soon. But um, yeah, I, I just, I think Ricky's a good player. I think he has a lot of, he brings a lot of positives to the table, but I just, I I wonder, you know, I don't think the wolves with the way they were constructed and what Tom Thibodeau wanted to do was the right fit for him. And, and I, and I don't, I'm not sure Utah is really the right fit for him either. I believe in Ricky. He'll bounce back. Last year he got (laughs) off to a a rough start and then he just improved as the season went on. I think we're going to see that in Utah because look, it's his fourth, I think fourth coach in four years. Yeah. So that's learning another new offensive system. And it takes time for a guy who is used to having the ball so much in his hands to acclimate to that system. He'll get it figured out. But yeah, it's just if the shooting doesn't come around, it's it's going to be tough to find a starting role for him in the league here pretty soon. Yeah. And I mean, if you look at it tonight, Paul, he only played 22 minutes. I mean, that's, 
you know, because it, it's so tough when he's struggling with his shot. I mean, Quinn Snyder can't, he can't waste any time. He's got to pull him out and, and put somebody else in that can, that can be a little bit more of a threat to, to score, to score the basketball. And, and it's tough. I mean, that, you know, I root for Rick, for Ricky. I want to see Ricky do well. I mean, he's, you know, rather it's, you know, in Utah or, or somewhere, I just, I want to see him have success because he is, you know, I think he, he can bring a lot to a team. And I think, you know, just as a floor general and, and as a person and as a personality, and he's a really good defensive player too. Um, there's a lot of positives to him, but it, he just, I just think he needs to be in the right, the right situation um, to, that's really going to maximize what he does well. And also, you know, continue to maximize what, what the other guys are on the floor doing as well. So uh, I, I wish the best for him. I, I hope somehow in Utah can work out for him. And if not, I hope that he can get to somewhere where it can, uh, where it can maybe work out a little bit better for him. So we'll uh, start to wrap this thing up a little bit. Again, the Wolves get the victory tonight. The W, I should say. That's the name of this podcast. Um, next game is going to be on Wednesday versus the Spurs. Of course, we played them opening night, and we lost 107-99 to in San Antonio. Manny, do you know how healthy they are? You said they might have uh, some guys coming back from injury. Well, I don't. I don't know how soon. Um, I don't know how close Kawhi Leonard is to returning. Um, I don't think he'll be available. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think he's returning Wednesday or anything like that. And I think Tony Parker's still maybe a few weeks away from from coming back as well. But you know, they still got some guys that can play. Aldridge, Gasol, Patty Mills. You know, they, they, you know, Danny Green, they've got some guys that can that can shoot it and defend and do all the little things that Greg Popovich preaches. So um, it'll it'll be a tough matchup, but it should be a, it should be a fun night on Wednesday. Did you ever see that thing that was going around on Twitter? It was a s- screenshot from an ESPN game where the Spurs were playing maybe TNT and they had a stat. The least games under 500 since 1997. <laughs> Yeah, it sounds about right. The Spurs were at about 50 or 60 games since 1997 that they've been under 500. <laughs> and the next closest team was at like 700 games under 500. Yeah. It was the craziest stat I've seen as far as just dominance of one organization in one league. Yeah. And and I and I guarantee you if you look at the circumstances of those 50, 50 some games, Paul, mm-hmm. a lot of those games were, you know, if they started out 0 and 1, or if they're like five games into the season and they're 2 and 3. Yeah. <laughs> you know, or something like that. I mean, it was, there's almost no circumstance where they're 50 games into a season and they're under 500, you know, so. Yep. It's, uh, they are the gold standard, man. They are the absolute gold standard. They have been for 20 years. And I think we're seeing kind of the Warriors tend to kind of trend into that direction too, with just the way they play. And I mean, obviously, it helps when you have, you know, four of the top probably fifteen players in the league on your team. But I think when you just look at the way that they share the basketball too, the Warriors are kind of trending in that direction too, where you're just they're just going to be there every single year. They're going to be good every single year, and the Spurs have have been the gold standard for a long time. 
So going to be a tough one. It's going to be at home, so hopefully we'll get a nice home crowd out there against San Antonio. And hey, it's going to be a home game against San Antonio that isn't in Mexico City. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know if we want to go through that experience again. <laughs> so always good when you can play a home game against San Antonio in your home arena. That's always, exactly. you yeah. know, thank the schedule gods for that one. Manny, thank you for joining me here today on the W and uh, maybe inform our listeners a little bit on the ways that they can hear your deep baritone voice. Well, Paul, first off, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. It was a lot of fun chatting with you. Good to catch up with you. Um, If folks are listening and they want to find me, they can find me on Twitter at Manny Hill 84. You can listen to, you can hear my voice on, uh, on the ride with Royce in 1500 ESPN from four to six Monday through Thursday and the Friday football fun fest with Brian Murphy and the superstar Mike Morris from 3 to 6 on Fridays. And you can find me on the Raised by Wolves podcast with myself and uh, and Derek James where we talk all things Wolves um, over the course of the week as well. So that's where, you, uh, that's where you can find me. All right. Well, that's Manny Hill. This is Patrick Royce here on <laughs> The W. Uh, remember to tune in next time. Is that close? Is that close? That's pretty good. Is that what you get every? That's a pretty good race. <laughs> it kind of pretty good race. It kind of melds into my Tim Kirchin voice, so they kind of <laughs> become one and the same. <laughs> but uh, I'll work on that for the next time you're on. So yeah, we're probably gonna try to get you on here a couple times this season, maybe even more than a couple. You down? I'm down. I can do that, man. Sounds good. Sweet. Well, thank you for joining me. That was Manny Hill. He told you where to find him. Uh, And you can find us here on the W after every game. So tune in on Wednesday night after the Wolves take on the Spurs. And we'll get you filled in on what happened that game here on the W.